welcome to Circle Sanctuary Network Podcasts, brought to you by Circle Sanctuary, one of the oldest nature spirituality churches in the United States, connecting people of nature center paths around the world. Join us through the week for a variety of shows discussing various topics, celebrating the divine in all of its forms through nature worship, rituals, education, and building bridges of community. Good evening, good morning, good night, good second breakfast, whenever you are, wherever you are. My name is Laura Gonzalez, and I'd like to welcome you to Lunatic Mondays, Lunes Lunaticos. Today we have a social justice series special. Our special is the Native American Heritage Month. October 10 is Indigenous Peoples Day, and November is Native American Heritage Month. In this month's episode, Laura and Jake explore ways to learn about and honor indigenous heritage, how to decolonize Thanksgiving, and how to show allyship to native and indigenous peoples across Turtle Island and beyond. I am so very pleased that we are doing this topic today. And Jake, I'd like to welcome you to Lunatic Mondays. How are you? Hey, Laura, thanks. Um, I'm doing okay. How about you? I'm doing great. I cannot help but, you know, continue honoring our people. On September, we have a very nice, very intense show about the so-called Hispanic Heritage Month. And then October, I think, um, to me, is kind of like the best way to, to send off this series and to thank you for all the work that you have put on to do this and you know kind of a segue to tell people thank you so much we so much appreciate how much you have supported this social justice series but it just is it just so happened that both Jake and I have so many other um, duties on our ministry for Circle Sanctuary and our personal lives so we will still have the social justice series November and December, but there are things a change in on this station or CSMP. Stay tuned. Good changes, good things uh, are happening. And with that said, this will be our last live social justice series, and we will have two more episodes. November and December, we will pick our favorites and repeat it. But I think this will be a wonderful send-off, especially because um, I kind of I kind of started, and the idea of doing this show it was kind of to bring attention to things I'm very passionate about, and obviously Indigenous Peoples Day is one of them. So thank you for being my um, partner in crime during all these months and doing the social justice series. And uh, how should we start talking about this? I don't want to take off the whole hour. <laughs> Jake, save me from myself. Um, yeah, well, you know, I hope we'll have another minute or so to um, for me to respond to, to what you just shared or what you just said. Um, I'm excited to see um, developments in CSNP going forward and other projects that you have on your plate. Um, you know, that's exciting to see and I'm excited for us to be able to um, broadcast our all-time greatest hits for the social justice series um, in the next two months 
And um, also October the 10th this month is Indigenous Peoples Day. It's a reclaiming of another day that goes by another name um, in various um, people's calendars in this geopolitical construct known as the United States. But um, what, but you know, many calendars also listed as Indigenous Peoples Day for very good reason. And I certainly hope that as we discuss things today, um, you will find yourself compelled um, and excited and committed to abolish the doctrine of discovery um, and all of the lies and nonsense about colonialism that are celebrated um, on October 10th this month and on that, um, you know, that October day every year um, by, you know, some schools or what have you, um, and instead um, celebrate Indigenous Peoples Day and maybe spend the entire month of October thinking about that. Um, and then November is um, Native American Heritage Month. So that gives us lots and lots of time to really be sort of breathing into living into greater awareness of how our bodies came to be situated in whatever land is under our feet um, at any given moment and how um, our, our own personal um, heritage and our ancestors journey impacted the people who lived here before our ancestors arrived um, and how we are in relationship with the, the original inhabitants of this land of Turtle Island um, and, and so on. And so we'll, we'll talk a lot about that in the next minutes that we have together, um, hopefully. Uh, but, you know, we, we need to acknowledge, we need to acknowledge. And this, this day every year helps us remember that we are living in what is post-apocalyptic times for many peoples and nations, um, you know, after the whole world ended for them and the, the way that it um, existed and the way people existed um, in, in relationship with the natural world, with non-human animals and with other peoples before um, white settlers arrived on this, um, couple of continents here that are Turtle Island um, and, um, you know, before um, borders were redrawn to establish cities and, st and states um, and, you know, before all of the things that often show up in U.S. children's history books and things like that started to happen here in this nation. You know, what strikes me still is unbelievable is and this I've, I've seen and we've seen it in, in Mexico and other uh, countries in Latin America um, that when they take a poll on Spain and ask people what do they think because October 12 in Mexico is called Dia de la Raza so the day of our race or translates pretty much to Indigenous Peoples Days is, you know, Dia de la Raza is just, we, by Raza, we mean all the indigenous uh, First Nations. And on Spain is called the 
Dia de la Hispanidad or Hispanic Day. And in 2021, poll, polls people will go to the streets and ask people in Spain what they think about the day. And they still, uh, because they teach the history, right? And it's always none the history is taught by the colonizers and not by the native peoples. And at least in Spain, they still talk about pride and we brought civilization, we brought, uh, you know, religion and the colonizers mindset is still very much alive and well where they think that if they didn't have contact, if they didn't invade it, the continent, um, we would be, I don't know, hanging from trees maybe like, you know, like monkeys or something like that. And uh, sorry, monkeys, I don't mean to offend you, but you know, it's, it's so, um, it really causes me a lot of awe to, to believe and to think that people still believe that having power over other humans was good for those people who were uh, colonized or disempowered. And something I, when, when Queen Elizabeth from England died uh, a few weeks ago, I have this reflection, Jake, that um, a lot of people were really, really sad and, and stricken, you know, by her death. And of course, it's a human being who dies. So it's always going to be sad for her grandchildren, for her children, for her family, etc. Even for her people, you know. But I wish that monarchy and colonization <laughs> die with her. But of course, that didn't happen. And the fact that I see a lot of people in the United States, you know, saying like, oh, my God, the Queen of England died. And it hit me. For the United States, the revolution, the independence was kind of a kind of like an amicable divorce, you know, like we're going to split our business type of thing. Uh, because the people who created this country were not native to this country. So for them, it was just like, oh, we're just going to separate. We're, we're going to cut it quits. Whereas everybody else in the continent uh, had to really fight for independence from colonizers, you know, and the same happened obviously here in the United States for the First Nations. The First Nations didn't even have the chance to fight for their independence because they were already put on reservations and all that kind of stuff um, before the United States independence. So it's very complicated and I hope programs such as this at least bring awareness to tell the right story, you know, to tell the truth in how things happen. And, uh, you know, to believe, to believe the indigenous people who are uh, giving us a gift of education and telling us how um, something that I was really, really taken aback is my whole life, and I know this is going to be uh, a very, very um, touchy subject, but how um, scalping was supposed to be historically something that the First Nations people did to the European Americans, and it's all the way around. 
it was the European Americans who did the scalping and blamed the indigenous people and the myth was created and everybody ran with it. So there is a lot of mythology related to the creation of this nation, the United States, that needs to be rewritten. And is really, I, I can see how it can be really, really hard for European Americans to, to get into that, you know? How do we help people to create awareness? Well, there's this, you know, push to have pride, you know, like you talked about, like the Spaniards having pride in their heritage, which includes conquest, you know, and, um, you know, there are various reasons why people want to and are inclined to and encouraged to have pride in things that their, their people, whatever that means to them, have accomplished in the world. Um, you know, and there are a lot of, you know, white people or people of 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 European descent who, you know, it, it's more convenient for us because I'm a white person to sort of um, get excited about democracy and get excited about all the things that the, um, you know, the Declaration of Independence and the Revolutionary War meant globally in terms of the, the rise of, of democracy. Um, as if that was the first democracy that existed. Um, and as if, you know, we were little, little brothers, David sort of standing up to a Goliath. And there are ways that that's, you know, a, a, a version of truth or, you know, that that was um, a, a thing to, you know, for, for some people to celebrate and that represented some good things in the history of humanity or life on the planet earth or whatever, but um, a thing that's definitely harder to come to grips with. And, you know, we've talked about various kinds of privilege in this social justice series. Um, and it's hard, you know, for white people to come to grips with white privilege and things like that um, for various reasons. We might feel defensive about it or, you know, it might um, bring up all kinds of feelings of shame and regret and confusion for us, um, you know, and so it's, it's easier to just sort of think about like, you know, happy, happy Indians and in quotes, Native Americans sort of sitting at some wonderful Thanksgiving feast and everybody getting along and the idea that there was, you know, treaties that were made where indigenous people made agreements with white people and so on that's all a really palatable history for us to hold on to. And, you know, I obviously don't know what to do with the idea that I am, you know, living in occupied territory that I do not exactly have a birthright to per se. Like, what am I supposed to do with that? I, you know, we can't put all the Europeans back in Europe, the people of European descent, like figuring out how to like rectify that is also super messy. Um, but, you know, that doesn't mean that I can't think about um, how my people came to be in this land and kind of acknowledge the fact that, you know, some of the, you know, some of the most sort of brash or obvious broader strokes of that, maybe people can reckon with, you know, um, but 
like I think some more subtle things are in there um like you know for indigenous people um having to sort of buy the idea that they were easy to take over because they were easily duped or because you know they weren't organized enough or didn't have enough civilization or things like that and white people came along and were able to sort of take them over quickly even though this was their native land and they had obviously many skills to survive here that the white people did not have at that time um and that you know indigenous people shared freely with the the white newcomers in order to help them actually survive landing in a territory that they didn't know anything about how to function in or whatever um you know how to grow crops in or or, or what have you um you know but really the truth you know from from another perspective is that um european nations spent much effort and many decades perfecting weapons perfecting strategies like they were incredibly invested as their own sort of culture as a, a sort of investment in their own holdings in their own future at sort of perfecting weapons and strategies to help them take over other people's and lands and that was not something that other indigenous people indigenous to those places that were colonized it's not something that they were organizing themselves around like people were you know it, it and, and we see this on some level right now happening like in israel and palestine where you know and i realize this is controversial but you know you got little palestinian kids throwing rocks and then Israeli tanks plowing down their houses saying we're defending ourselves against acts of aggression against us. But, you know, we're talking about people throwing rocks against somebody who has tanks and like an entire infrastructure of, of war making machinery or whatever. And the, you know, European nations, um, and certainly, you know, England and Spain, principle among them but but many other European nations like Portugal and um you know maybe um other nations or whatever they you know they had thousands of years of heritage of trying to figure out how to bring war on other people um and that was just not the sort of investment of other peoples and so it was easy to take over parts of Africa and enslave groups of people and to, to take their natural resources. It was easy to take over parts of the Americas or you know what, what was or can be known as Turtle Island because you know they were figuring out ways to do that. They were setting out to do it on purpose. They were very practiced at um, ballistics, at warfare, at biological warfare and chemical warfare that was happening at that time and you know they knew that trading with indigenous people could include sending them blankets that were infected with smallpox on purpose to wipe out their whole villages right and to do that smiling and shaking hands as if they were making a deal an honorable deal from a person to a person um and there's plenty of 
you know, you don't have to dig very far to find evidence of that, of that very purposeful tre treachery, of that very intentional, you know, we see value in this land, and so we're going to do what we need to do. It's our manifest destiny to take over this place, and we have the wherewithal to do it, and nobody else is able to keep us from doing it because we're stronger. And it's not because we're smarter. It's not because we're inherently stronger, um, you know, morally or otherwise. It's because we have weapons. It's because we have a lot of money behind us. It's because we have the Church of England behind us that's very wealthy. It's because, you know, because the more we pillage, the richer we get and the easier it is to use the weapons we stole from those people and the wealth that we stole from those people and the natural resources that we stole from these other people to like build a bigger and bigger and bigger machinery of taking over the world and bamboozling and swindling and conquering people by all means necessary, you know, and, you know, lying to them and making promises that we know we're not going to keep because, you know, that's part of our ethic, like to get it over on someone else. And that sort of ethic is really, I think, is sort of central to me, it's central to plantation capitalism. Um, you know, we celebrate people in the United States who figure out how to sell a product at a great profit and make a lot of money. And we hold them to lesser standards than other people um, who, you know, don't have the wherewithal to do that. And that's all part of the same thing, the same sort of hypocritical ethos or whatever that like if you're somehow able to get get off you know get it over on somebody else get rich at someone else's expense we applaud you if you know if you can use might um might makes right you know might um and power is actually the thing that somehow lets you somehow have some kind of moral superiority in the long run because you write the history books and you can tell yourself you're a good person and you were only doing it, you know, to take care of you and yours and your children and stuff like that. But, you know, in the long run, other people and their children and their heritage and their culture is lost. And that's, that's, you know, because of treachery and not just because of manifest destiny or something more honorable like that. And, you know, the, the fact that when we tell the story or when we when we recant the whole story, it's like, oh my God, it's so horrible, it's so terrible. And I can empathize with European Americans who feel um impotent, you know, like what okay, so what do we do? How do we right this wrong? Or the other most common, unfortunately, reaction is, uh, oh, my God, that happened so long ago. Get over it. We're in a different world. And we cannot get over it. We will not get over it because our, our lives were impacted so many generations forward. We're still suffering the impact. And on a personal note, is like I have said before, how am I an immigrant on our land? 
because there was free trade and free passage and there was um, kinship amongst the nations of, of America. So yes, we're still impacted by the consequences of colonialism. However, comma, how can we help? How can people of this generation, so many generations removed, and I think the first thing that you can do is acknowledge, acknowledge that you, as we, the indigenous people or the native people of this land are still very much impacted by colonialism. European Americans are still very much impacted by the benefits of colonialism. So in order for it to be reconciliation, there has to be reparation. And in order to be reparation, there has to be recognition. And I think as a country, the United States is snailing their way into recognizing that we are the result of a very tragic situation, which was colonialism, and that we can stop. And a lot of people say, well, I'm not, I'm not my great-grandparents. I don't colonize. And the truth of the matter is, yes, we do. Yes, we do. When we keep appropriating culture, appropriating customs, appropriating religion and spiritual practices. And which reminds me, the worst issue I ever had with a racist person in the United States was with a person that claims to be very uh, knowledgeable of indigenous culture and offered that as a practice. And I'm like, how can you be a person that is so incredibly uh, colonizing on their mind and then uh, facilitating native practices, you know? I mean, the incoherence there is just rampant. So people can, you know, stop colonizing and, and to recognize that. And I will never not repeat this, Jake, because I learned it from you. Having privilege doesn't make you a bad person. What you make with that privilege is what makes the difference. Or I'm paraphrasing, because that's not exactly how I learned it from you, but, um, realizing that having privilege does not make you a bad person you know you didn't ask for this privilege you didn't ask to be born in this country you didn't ask for your ancestors to have taken the boat and come in here but you have the ability to start changing the colonizing ways and one of the most important ones costs nothing and is giving space and lifting the voices of native peoples, you know. But I'm sure you have a longer list than I do, Jake, because you're wonderful at that. Well, right. I think it's great to remember that colonizing is still happening all the time, every day, and that indigenous sovereignty is still very relevant to right now. Their indigenous sovereignty issues in courts, in dispute right now today across this, this land that we're calling a nation or whatever. 
um, that includes things like um, water rights and land rights um, and the United States government or corporations continuing to take eminent domain or other kinds of um, privilege or, or rights or, you know, take over space to use however they like, just like they have been six, since, you know, the, the 1600s or whatever, saying, actually, we want this forest, we want this area, we're going to put a pipeline through here, we want to dump our, our industrial waste in this lake or this ocean or this river because it suits us, because it's best for our profits or our needs. Um, and we know that we told you you could have this land, but you can't have it anymore because we need it. Or you can't actually decide what happens or, you know, yes, it's your land, but we're just going to put our little pipeline through here. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. You know, it doesn't, we're going to fish here. Doesn't matter that you've been fishing here and that this is part of your heritage and livelihood. We can bring our big oil tankers through here. Don't worry about it. You know, yes, you still have the land or whatever. And we need to listen to indigenous groups about what they need. We need to stay the heck away from the small little bits of space that we have let them continue to occupy. We need to give them sovereignty over their own communities, their own space, their own land. Um, listen to them as they call us to take better care of the land and the water and the air. Specifically, of course, most importantly, the land and water and air that they are occupying um, and that we're infringing on. But all of it, all of the land and water and air on this globe, because they're leading the way about being in harmony with the natural world. Um, and, you know, there are ways that your votes and the people that you're electing to office are impacting native people, native lands, um, tribal sovereignty right now. We're still plowing over burial grounds. We're still putting our stupid shopping malls on sacred spaces that were there for thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years. And we, as a nation, the United States has been here for a couple hundred or whatever, right? Um, in, in this current iteration. Um, I mean, and by that, you know, obviously that has been evolving continually, including that we, you know, now think we own lands that are not even part of this continent and have made some of them into official states and others are not official states. They're territories that are taxed without representation in the U.S. government still. Um, and our colonies that the United States still holds. Um, and, but they don't have jurisdiction over their own space or whatever. Um, just the same as this used to be a colony of another country across the ocean or whatever. Um, but yes, I, I want to applaud and affirm that you, just because you don't know how to fix all the problems, it doesn't mean you can't acknowledge that. Right, you know, and acknowledge, acknowledge, acknowledge that things are really messed up and they have been messed up for hundreds of years. Um, you know, figure out how you might benefit from 
how they're messed up if if you're able to do that but at least acknowledge wow y'all my ancestors did not originate in this space they came here you know by colonizing or by coercion from other colonizers trafficking them or whatever um and you know this this is not the way um, that this this land originally looked. These are not the peoples who originally were here. This is not the only version of democracy or the only way to be in relationship with other peoples or with the natural world around us or whatever. Um, and I want to invite and encourage everyone everywhere as a first step to figure out who was indigenous to the land that you're on. When you Where do you live? Where do you work? Where do you go on vacation? Who was indigenous to that land? And it's not that hard these days to figure that out. Um, Laura has posted some super quick ways to do that. A phone number you can text, um, a website you can visit and just put your zip code in and it will tell you and give you all kinds of information. And the great Google will help you find um, ways to actually get information from the mouths of, from the heritage, from the culture, of the people indigenous to that area so that you can um, at least acknowledge and respect and honor that that heritage um, at, at, at every possible juncture. Um, and, you know, there are various groups and like, you know, the country of Canada, for example, who have practices of doing formal um, First Nations acknowledgments at the beginning of every gathering. And I think that's a great practice. It's not just words. It's not just lip service, especially if you're willing to sort of sit for a moment at the beginning of everything you do or many important things that you do and acknowledge, you know, the system that we're in is broken. Racism, colonialism, and other kinds of um ethnic cleansing and um, abuse and treachery are all woven into everything that we're going to talk about in every place that we are and everything we do today. And we all have to do our best to sort of grapple with that. Um, but, um, you know, we pagans, let's be honest, we pagans are really great at colonizing indigenous people's practices, culture, artifacts, and so on. Why? Because we have a lot of affinity for them. We care about the environment. We acknowledge and celebrate the cycles of the seasons of the natural world. Um, many of us, that's absolutely essential to our spiritual practices. And that's great. But we need to remember that just because we think those ideas are great and they work great for us, it doesn't mean we own them. It doesn't mean we invented them. We need to acknowledge and give appreciation to the fact that people for thousands and thousands and thousands of years across this globe have been forming those ideas and practices, have learned about the earth's chakras and energies and how to live in harmony and how to understand the stars and the sun and the moon and the plants and the herbs around us and, and things like that. And that water is life and um, things like that. And um, we and our people did not invent that. Even if you are indigenous, identify as indigenous, are connected to indigenous roots, those, those practices 
were not invented by you or anybody in the last 100 years or 200 years. So when we use that language, when we use those practices, we need to acknowledge that they don't belong to us, that we're borrowing them, and that we're hopefully using them with respect and with honor for how they were originally developed. Um, and using terminology like tribe to refer to people who are not indigenous and I, you know maybe benefit from colonialism can be really tricky and we need to be careful about that um and you know using artifacts and practices that native people have used like you know the idea of smudging and stuff like that that has thousands of years of heritage and import around it that I can't possibly understand as a white person who bought my incense, um, you know, at, at the target down the street or whatever. Um, so it doesn't mean you can't do it. It just means it's important to acknowledge um, that it is a really important and consequential thing about how that practice came to you. And probably you should call it a smoke blessing instead of smudging, for example, um, because, you know, it's not your right, unless you're an indigenous person with direct heritage and lineage to those practices, um, it, it doesn't belong to you. So I really have to interject on this uh, part of the conversation. And again, bringing attention to this doesn't mean we're vilifying people, it just means we're bringing attention to the topics. And I was uh, a few years ago at a panel with, with pagan people, and there was an indigenous person there, another indigenous person from South America. And we were talking about that very topic, you know, of the appropriation of the culture, the indigenous practices being appropriated in pagan practices. And I was telling people, you know, it takes but a second to say this is... Um, indigenous and this is pagan and yes we're doing both practices together but just to acknowledge that you know and the other indigenous person on the panel said exactly all we ask is that it is acknowledged that it's uh, uh indigenous practice and not pagan and another man that was there and i have to point point to the fact that it was a white man who said well i see pretty much them being pagan practices and I don't see why we cannot call them pagan practices and then he went on to say I feel comfortable with that and I was like the point just went over your head man because that's exactly what we're talking about so even at a moment live you can see it in action happening where indigenous people are asking for change and for just the acknowledgement it takes but two seconds to say this is indigenous, this is this comes from an indigenous culture. No, he was like, no, I'm okay with calling it pagan. And I'm like, that's the point. You're okay with calling it pagan, we're not. And you know, that's why differentiating between the origin of where one practice comes from another, it it harms none and it takes just a second and it lifts those uh native voices that we're trying to lift here and it it takes but a second you know to do it so uh jake any other thoughts that um we can share with the public today 
that I, as a white person, don't get to decide what is reasonable or, you know, my comfort is irrelevant. My comfort with, you know, or what's convenient for me or what I, you know, my, my perspective or that sort of taught to me, my, my ancestors is irrelevant to what, you know, our a values driven life is around our practices of, of being in right relationship with each other. And if someone else says to me, this hurts me, this is a problem for me. This is a thing I need from you. This is a way that you can demonstrate respect to me. The only correct response, especially, I mean, I think from one person to another, always what I'm saying is true, but especially if I'm a person with more power or privilege in that relationship, the only correct response is, I'm sorry, I hurt you. I don't mean to take advantage of or exploit you. I believe what you're saying. I honor your request about what helps you feel respected because it is my core value. I would argue it is a key pagan value or ethic to not hurt other people or living beings or ecosystems. It is a key ethic of paganism as far as I practice it to respect others, their cultures, their lived experience, their perspectives, to help everyone around me feel that they are um, getting my respect and honoring, that I am in right relation with them. And that doesn't get to be chosen by me. Relationship is at least a two-way process, um, algorithm, you know, formula or whatever. And the person or, you know, process that I am in relationship with gets to decide what right relationship looks like as much or more than I do. Um, So that's really an important thing for us to learn as people. And there's not a single thing that I'm squawking about today that originated in my brain or that I'm really great at, or that comes naturally to me as a white person in the United States. I had to learn it all. I'm still learning it all. And this is not Laura and Jake yelling at you about things you need to know and need to have been doing. This is about us all being in a community that is committed together to cultural humility, to learning from each other all the time and for the rest of our lives. Because our whole lives have been in a messed up system, a messed up ecosystem, and our whole lives going forward will be us trying to be in right relationship with each other and trying to figure out how to make it right. We can only learn about that if we are willing to listen to each other and honor what each other are asking for, what each other understand, how life is revealing itself, how truth is experienced by people other than us. Because if all you ever do is live your own truth, you're not going to be in right relationship. And I would argue you're not an ethical person in the world. And, you know, to understand that when Native and Indigenous peoples of this land, specifically, you know, of the geopolitical United States, when they tell us, like, no, you cannot do this. No, this is a close practice. No, you cannot call it that. 
understand that it's not a capricious mind that, you know, oh, just because we've been almost listened now, we want to raise these topics. But to understand that until the 70s, the 70s, I was born in the 70s. You know, it's not that long ago. Yes, I'm 49, but anything, that's beside the point. Until the mid-70s, indigenous practices were outlawed. It was illegal for indigenous people to practice their own spirituality. So when European Americans, descendants of the colonizers, come and grab uh, the stick of sage and call it smudging, you're going to hit a nerve. You are going to hit a nerve. Um, and one of the things that I will always say, and wherever I am, I will, I will repeat this. Lift indigenous voices by your pretty little things that you want to have from indigenous people. Oh, but Laura, they're so expensive. Your point being what? buy mass produced from big box stores that are just appropriating the culture so you can pay five dollars for your dream catcher no if you want a dream catcher find the indigenous person that does it and pay the rightful price for it i said it before and around the time of the year i say it a lot with with uh the day of the dead buy from indigenous people Yes, the things that are sold mass produced on big box stores are very pretty. They're making very, very beautiful. They put all the colors and whatnot. It's not original. It's not made by indigenous people and is not benefiting the indigenous cultures. I am in awe of the plethora of European American, um, especially women, Teaching cacao ceremonies, which are a farce, they just don't exist. Um, teaching yoga or making dream catchers and selling them. And I'm like, what in the appropriation hell is this? So let's lift the voices of indigenous people and support them directly. Uh, they have said time and time again, their wares, their jewelry, their clothing, um, some of the clothing, not regalia, um, can be bought and wear, but buy it from them so you can help them, so you can support them, so you can, you know, you want an amazing jade bracelet, don't buy from the big uh, jewelry store Next time you go through one of those nations, stop at their markets. They will be thrilled to see you and even more so to have you buy their wares because I think literally that's the least we can do is support them, you know, support Native nations, support Indigenous people, support Indigenous artisans and help them maintain their way of life because we all love it. We love it, we like it, we want to wear it, we want to have it, we want to be have part of it. We know it's done with care and love and with indigenous traditions, but then we go and buy it at insert store's name here. You know, it's, it doesn't make sense. And, and that is the other thing we have to be coherent, you know, when we say, as you were saying earlier, harm none and support of kinds of life, 
when you buy from the big box store, you're harming the uh, economy of the indigenous people. And you're contributing to more colonizing culture and appropriation. And I know everybody hates the world's cultural appropriation, but sit with your discomfort for a minute and learn what cultural appropriation is. And we do that, we, I include myself, we do that to indigenous people all the time, specifically a lot on the pagan community, which shouldn't be. We should be the first to not do it. Well, in in an even simpler way, you know, you're giving money probably to white people, to very, very rich white people for products made by probably pretty poor Asian people and that pollute the world to bring them to us at a cheap cost. When, you know, you might not have the wherewithal to travel to Cherokee, North Carolina to buy your dream catcher, but it's not hard in this day and age to find on the internet how to purchase that and be in right relation with the people and and heritages who made it and produced it or whatever. But like I pay taxes to the United States government and to probably three to five or more different government entities, state, county, city, blah, 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 to, uh, you know, exist in my, where I am to make money, to have my life. I pay real estate taxes, blah, 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 you know, and you might say, but Jake, you get like, you know, your schools and roads and blah, blah, blah in exchange and representation in the government in exchange for the taxes you pay Maybe yes, no, that's all messy and we all know that. Um, but what you know, if I'm willing to pay taxes um for people in order to live where I live and work where I work and stuff, then why am I not willing to pay some kind of real premium to the people who originally occupied the land that I'm on, who, you know, created the practices that I hold so dear? who make the art that I value and want to hang on my wall. Um, And there are lots and lots of ways to give my money to indigenous peoples and to learn in the process, to benefit directly in the process, you know, by going online and finding a product that, you know, is in right relationship um, and fits my values and where the money goes to the people who should get the money for that. Um, or, you know, subscribing to um, magazines or um, other things like that, um, you know, going places like finding a powwow to go to instead of calling your your work staff meeting a powwow, like find an actual powwow to go to, sit down, shut up, appreciate, buy some good food and you know honor and celebrate and patronize the cultures who who produce the practices that we hold dear um and have spent thousands and thousands of years of perfecting and refining that and actually preserving it against all odds like surviving against ethnic cleansing um you know we have tried to make them extinct um and they have flourished in many cases despite that which is so freaking amazing right 
Um, and, you know, there are so many ways that we can support that thriving and flourishing. We can donate to organizations that are taking care of Native peoples and um, and, and Native lands and things like that instead of, you know, just spending our money on other kinds of causes or people or products or whatever. And I think it's uh, it's very important, like you say, you know, that we also check our language at the door and stop calling things uh, tribes or powwow or uh, stuff like that. It's, it's very easy. And um, hello, all you all know, I'm addicted to TikTok. Yes, I am. When you were saying, Jake, how easy it is to now buy stuff from indigenous artists directly because of the internet. Um, if you go to TikTok, and if you don't like TikTok, you don't have to. But if you just Google Native Indigenous people and art, I mean, they're everywhere. We are everywhere. And I think it's time that we start supporting Indigenous people. We love the art. So why not buy original? It's an investment also for you and your family. And you will not be harming anybody or appropriating anything. And there is another idea that I wanted to share, but it, it has escaped me now. But, uh, you know, it, it was coming from this thing of calling tribe. Oh, why are we so adamantly saving this culture and some things are close practices again? Because you cannot by colonialism tell people to stop doing certain things or that certain things are illegal for them to do on their own right on their own land and then turn around 10 years later and or or 20 or 50 or as many years later and say oh but I want it I want to have it you know which is similar to my reaction when people speak Spanish to me like how can you tell our people that is not right but when it's right for you and you want to amuse yourself then you come to me speaking Spanish like that is that is is a is by principle that I prefer English you know it's not that oh you don't know or whatever no it's it's a principle you know you don't get to pick and choose what is right and what is wrong when it's done by the correct people then it's correct but when it's done by the people who actually belongs to the practice it's been outlawed for forever so you know, let's just be mindful of that. I think this has been, I, I feel very content and very satisfied, Jake, that today, uh, this being our last live recording, uh, that we end up with this topic. I so appreciate your knowledge, your willingness to uh, deconstruct yourself, particularly you, Jake deconstruct yourself in front of all of us so we can all learn from your experience and how you invite people to do the same and to deconstruct themselves and find the truth of their spirit and to live in harmony with with these nations and this planet and this globe i am very very proud and honored to have shared the space that we have on the social justice series and i want to thank you from the bottom of my heart to coming into this adventure. Um, I am not saying 
goodbye forever. Maybe just a little break until we both can stand on our own feet again. Uh, and I will leave you the microphone so you can say goodbye to your audience. Thank you so much, Laura. It's been such a fun um, and important um, pleasure to have this space with you, to make this space with you and with all the folks who listen live and listen later on demand. Um, and um, I think I agree that this has been a good topic for us to sort of close out our current series on. And we've done a lot of discussion today that's ranged more wide um, and sort of talks in general about privilege and allyship and cultural humility and things like that, because, you know, oppression, all oppression is connected to all other oppression, um, not to, um, you know, diminish the importance of thinking about, um, you know, the, the sort of continued war waged against indigenous people around the world and, and you know, the sort of treachery of colonizing, um, but it's all tangled up together. And um, being a person who's trying to understand your your role in that, even though it's that, you know, hundreds of years later or whatever, you're, you're in the way that manifests in your everyday life, in my everyday life, I'm saying, you know, it's a, an ongoing project. Um, and, you know, an important um, process um, that is going to show up in lots of ways and that we're going to draw lots of connections about. And that's why our conversation today has been a little bit more wide ranging, but hopefully there have been enough um, concrete things to sort of latch onto, you know, figuring out um, using those resources to find out who's indigenous to your land and so on is, you know, specific to today's conversation. And um, again, I'm so grateful, Laura, to you and to your work and your legacy and, and for your friendship and um, grateful to have had this space with you um, and happy to sort of um, cap it off for now um, with this episode today. So um, thanks everyone for being willing to sort of be with me in the messiness and the opportunity of this, this process of being a person and and finding your way um, and and thank you, Laura. And I, I hope we do get to find ways to cross paths again sometime in, in life, in cyberspace and so on to continue this work together. Absolutely. And I wanna say thank you to Jake, one of, the, one of my favorite people on the planet, truly. Uh, a little bit of a statistics, you know, the Virgo rising in my head is rising. We've been doing this since September of 2021, and we have shows for those. If you happen to catch this one as your first, we have done um, trans, non-binary, genderqueer, allyship, people of size, allyship, uh, intersex, allyship, freedom of religion, uh, allyship with people experiencing homelessness, racial justice. Uh, Women's History Month, Earth Day, Domestic Violence Awareness and Allyship, uh, Capitalism and Pride. That was a fun one to do. Um, and we have done Autism Allyship, Hispanic Heritage Month, and today uh, Native and Indigenous Peoples um, Month. And, you know, there's so much more that it can be said and still done. And uh, 
but the life of activists, right? We have so much other things to do that we have to go and do, but we invite you all to find uh, social justice series, Lunatic Mondays, SGS, SJS, uh, and the different topics. And you'll find them there. Jake, thank you so much for your time, your effort, your energy, and your friendship as well. And to everybody who listened, just to remind you that there are over 800 hours of podcasts that are free for you to listen, download, and share. You can keep on your personal archives. You can go back and re-listen, and you can find those on uh, CSMP, the page on Facebook. You can find us on the Circle Century website at CSMP or Circle Century Network Podcast. And of course, everywhere you get your podcasts, Spotify, iTunes, TuneIn, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We are everywhere. And until we meet again, never forget that you are loved. Bye-bye. And thank you for joining us on the Circle Sanctuary Network Podcast, presented by Circle Sanctuary and produced for all who follow the Nature Center paths. Join us here throughout the week for various programming connected to the community around the world. And please don't forget to watch for updates on the Circle Sanctuary website at www.circlesanctuary.org. And follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash csnpodcasts. We can also be found on your favorite podcast hosting sites, such as iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and others. And until next time, many blessings. <laughs>